Welcome to the Independent Herald Sports Minute, a podcast of the award-winning voice of Big South for Country, the Scott Highlanders, the Oneida Indians, interviews with players and coaches. This is a brief look at what's happening in local sports. And now, here's your host, Independent Herald publisher, Ben Garrett. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Independent Herald Sports Minute. This is episode three of season two, as we are now actually underway with the fall sports season for Tennessee high schools. The Oneida Lady Indians soccer team picked up a big road win at Knox Webb last night. The Scott Lady Highlanders soccer team will open their season tonight at home against Oliver Springs. But today we're talking football, as we're going to spend a couple of episodes talking to the head coaches of Scott High and Oneida as their teams get set to open the 2020 seasons on the road on Friday night. And today we are joined by Scott High head coach Josh Terry. Coach Terry is entering his third season as the coach of the Highlanders. He and his team looking for a playoff bid in what is always a very, very tough Region 2-3A. And let me apologize on the front end for some of the audio quality that you're about to hear this is in a locker room setting, and you're also going to hear a lot of pops and clicks and stuff as we were having some issues with the microphone and that sort of thing. But with all that said, let's take a listen to Coach Josh Terry talk about his team and the 2020 season ahead. We're here with Coach Josh Terry of the Scott Highlanders. And, and Coach Terry, first of all, let's talk about the coronavirus and, and how that has impacted your preparation for this season. And I know it's impacted every team, but how has it impacted your team? Well, you know, there's a new there's a new line as a coach where you, you used to coaching for years under one calendar where you know about when things are supposed to start coming together. Uh, you know when to get impatient on some things that ought to be sharp by this point, and you know when to when to kind of realize that we're still early and we're working on things. There's a new schedule now, and it's it's a little unnerving as a coach because you feel like things are sloppier. You feel like you're behind. Uh, but at the same time, everybody's kind of in the same relative boat. I also think that from a player standpoint and just an overall taste bud standpoint that while there's some hesitancy with people coming back out, there's also that the majority demographic of your team that have been deprived of it and they have felt the loss of it. So they come back and there's a little bit more of an element of hunger there where guys are more excited. Uh, and, you know, there's an overall team morale boost that's there. It hung in the doubt for so, for so long whether or not this thing was gonna happen that I think just the excitement of, for my seniors that we are gonna have a season. You know, my juniors, sophomores on down. Uh, that there's a little bit of a of a different morale angle there uh, with this coronavirus deal. I know that's certainly true of the coaches as well. But how confident are you that you will actually get this season in without the coronavirus interrupting this thing? Uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say. I think you know uh, people's reactions to different things are going to be different. Uh, and I'm kind of anxious to see what happens if, I mean, I feel like inevitably the numbers are going to go up. Uh, but, you know, life goes on. And I just, I just wonder if everybody kind of has that mentality. Uh, 
as far as me and this staff and these football players, we have to work and be dictated off of the assumption that this thing is going to end, TWSAA is going to end in Murfreesboro this year, where we're going to go all the way through the playoffs, championships are going to get played, and I think that's the only way to handle it. But at the same time, if it's a motivating factor, uh, the no guarantee of tomorrow type aspect might play into some of your players' mind in, you know, pushing through and, and getting as much as they can out of today. Uh, Bernard Childers of TWSAA a couple of weeks ago was talking about the importance of, of talking to the players and, and instructing them not to be going out on the weekends and partying and hanging out in large groups and that sort of thing to protect not only themselves to, but to also protect the team and make sure this season gets to be played because they're not bringing that virus back into the locker room, back to their team and spreading it. Is that something you talk to your players about? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. And, uh, you know, the recent TWSAA guidelines kind of mimic that of the CDCs where it's, it's not an automatic team-wide quarantine when one of your guys gets it, but they start tracking who all they've been in contact with, been in that six-foot bubble for, what, what is it, the 10-minute uh, range of time. So for us, that doesn't apply to outside on the football field as much as it does inside the locker room and the weight room and the film room, uh, in which case I make all my guys wear masks. Uh, going up to the classrooms here at school, uh, they got to wear masks all day long. It's non-negotiable uh, just from a standpoint of uh, trying to put this team in the best scenario possible to uh, keep the numbers down and keep us moving forward. Has there been any kind of reluctance there, any kind of pushback, or is that a situation where, you know, they're just so excited to play football that they say, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to play football? Uh, there's been no pushback whatsoever. I mean, uh, and we started school back this week. There's been a couple instances where I've went by classrooms or teachers have you know, let me know that they had to make so-and-so put a mask on. Uh, but as far as down here, uh, no, everybody's got their masks. They bring them, they put them on, and, uh, and we just carry on our business, you know. Last year you had major injuries as a football team. You were never healthy. A lot of guys hurt. Maybe the most injuries that I've ever seen a high school team have to endure. Yeah. This year you come back and you're finally healthy, and now you're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. So do you ever feel like that, that maybe you're the unluckiest coach in the world? Well, you know, different from last year is this is actually a like a nationwide, that's a global pandemic, whereas in last year I felt like it was just a Scott County issue. <laughs> but, you know, those things happen, and you got to move on, and you got to try to get as many, many players ready as possible. And... Uh, I'm never going to be a guy to say this or that happened uh, because we didn't have this or that. Uh, you know, we just got to band together and get done and take take control of what we can control, you know. Uh, I emphasize the process a lot, and I think what I try to get across uh, to my guys is that's your love for the process um, you know, it's not there if you're having to tie an end to it. You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you are having to say, I'm going to do this so I can get that, 
then you're not truly in love with the process. You're not, you're having to motivate yourself to get through the process because there's ice cream at the end. And um, so, you know, obviously you play to win, you do all those things, you try to do everything you can to win, but I've got an opportunity to win at practice today uh, in how I coach. My quarterback's got an opportunity to give me the best he's got at practice. And at some point, work has to be enough for you. And winning is like a side effect of that mindset. You know what I'm saying? Where, uh, where you have to fall in love with the process. I think that's a separator uh, between, you know, people that play sports and then the, the great ones within that sport, guys like Brady and Manning and Jordan and all those guys, it's, it's like they could just watch film all day long. It's like they could train all day long. And it's not something that they make themselves get through because they, they want this or that. It's something they enjoy doing. You're breaking in a brand new quarterback this year in junior Alex Chambers. Does that change what you do offensively as a football team? It does. It does. I think he's a, he's a little bit more of a cerebral, uh, you know, game manager, West Coast style, run pass option kind of guy. Uh, he's athletic, uh, but it's not going to be something. It's going to be a have-to situation for me with him. Uh, as far as that goes, now he's he's heady. He's going to be a good game man. He's, he's athletic enough to do do some zone boots and stuff that you see um, some pro style teams run, some sprint out, run pass option type stuff. Um, so it, it changes what you do. And I think every year I've been here, there's been there's been an adjustment process based on who you feel like you have, what, what, what techniques you feel like your guys will be the best at executing. And uh, this year, you know, we're going to carry over a lot more of the, the outside zone uh, type thought processes uh, uh, with a little more of a run-pass option decision-making quarterback uh, in the short underneath pass game. Scott High's not really been known as, as a running team, really, for, for quite a few years. This year you've got a stable of guys you can hand the football off to. Uh, that's a strong group. Yeah. Is it fair to say that that's the strength of your offense? I think, I think it's fair to say. I think, you know, throughout the course of the game, there being four different guys I can hand the ball off to, uh, it's going to keep them each fresh. It's going to keep them each, uh, you know, giving me – their max run ability in the fourth quarter, uh, and it's it's a two and two type ability split where I got two big physical runners, I got two kind of explosive in space runners. Uh, so I mean we can truly get segmented there on on how we divvy up carries for four quarters. Uh, so it's a particular year, like, you know, going back to what I said earlier with the quarterback situation where you don't necessarily feel like you have to get the quarterback involved uh, as much. But with that, a lot more passes that are tied to run action. Uh, a lot more of the same type run action plays that have pass plays off of them 
as as opposed to past concepts that just get caught in and of themselves and of their own progression entity. Uh, you know, we're gonna have play action kickouts. We're gonna have you know RPOs and uh, try to make the run and the pass look as as similar as we possibly can, and and call plays based on what we see a defense doing. Um, those things and in particular matchups there how about defensively does anything change on the defensive side of the ball as far as the strategy and, and the way you're going to call the plays this year yeah uh, we are you know some years some years i think you could call us more of a 40 team uh some years i think we've been like a true three four type base personnel for for a while last year was probably a more four down approach this year, I'm going to say a lot more multiple in the box. We can get in and out of the 40 in a base, in a 3-4. Um, probably with with who we play in spread situations, a 4-2-5 is probably a better general description uh, with spread teams that we're going to play against. But uh, traditional type offenses, it's I would definitely say multiple. Uh, and I'd say multiple 3-4 this year uh, based on what we got. And I'm also going to say uh, – I'm also going to say as far as treatment of treatment of coverage schemes, uh, probably a lot more zone blitz. Brandon Carson's one of your leading returners on defense. Last year he really emerged as one of the top linebackers really anywhere around in this area. Uh, this year he moves up front. He's going to play the nose for you on the defensive line. Uh, what's the strategy behind making that move? Well, he's – yeah, he he gained he gained enough weight for us to feel like he could do that. And, and he – you know, he put up, you know, a 500-pound squat. Uh, that made me feel like he could get in there and mix it up. But he's also – so quick at firing off the ball and getting a hold of you before you get a hold of him that I think the speed advantage he gains right there from being able to accelerate out of a stance uh, beats what you get on him weighing more. You know what I mean? And I think uh, listening him at nose, he, you know, depending on whether or not we're playing 3-4 or 4-3, he's got the We've got the ability to get him at defensive end. Uh, you know, the, the spot between the guard and the tackle, I think Alabama calls it a four-eye, but he's going to be all over the defensive line. Uh, and also with some of the weird looks that we plan on showing, um, experience at linebacker is going to help him be able to have some surprise drop-offs in space. You know what I mean? Where, uh, where he can he can pick his hand up off the ground and, and be a spot dropper as well as he could get an active quarterback. But uh, whereas in last year our four two five uh, he was a where he mostly shined was rushing the quarterbacks uh, when we were bringing him off the edge at the defensive end spot and. So I wanted him to get him a little bit more in his element as far as be able 
to attack this guy right now. You know, out at linebacker, you're kind of you're kind of reading things and figuring out where to fit, and it slows you down at times. I think he's more of a guy that I want to line up in front of somebody and say, whip that guy. You know what I mean? Where uh, he can get to using his hands and block shedding at the first level and just play faster and quicker and more aggressive. Uh, I think there late in the year, that's where he shined the most is when we got him down up to the line of scrimmage and he was able to make plays at the first level. Um, so that's the thought process there. And like I said, um, we've got we've got Reese that comes in right there. We've got Skyler that comes in right there against like a you know a, a, the Alcoa Maryland eye that's going to bump Brandon out to the DN spot. But uh, but there's flexibility there. He knows how to play inside and out. Uh, with that, but I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. Within the region, obviously Alcoa will be the favorite again this year. Uh, is there anybody who is in a position to challenge them for that top spot? And then where do you guys fall within that mix? Well, you know, uh, we're we're the same every week. You know, we're gonna we're gonna fight our tails off. We're gonna practice our tails off. We're gonna be as prepared as we possibly can as a coaching staff and uh, and you know when it comes alcohol week we're going to be practicing and trying to beat them uh, you know with that said they've definitely earned that spot that they're in as far as preseason respect uh, and and we respect them uh, we respect all of our opponents I think uh, you know I think I think Kingston uh, from a roster standpoint, doesn't drop off a whole lot. Um, you know, I think Austin East lost some big guys, but, you know, they're also filling in with some big guys. Um, you know, Northview, I think Northview could be a little bit surprising to some people because the, the, they were really well coached last year. They were young and they were struggling at the beginning of the year, but you could see late in the season, uh, that coach still had the hearts of his players, and they were getting better. You could watch film on them week to week, and they're getting better. Uh, I, and they were so young. They had so many sophomores that played for them last year that I think uh, it's about time for them to come on and be good. I think Northview could surprise some people. You know, Gatlin, uh, uh, Gatlinburg-Pittman, uh, with the year that they had last year, and Coach Rain doing a great job. Uh, you know they could they could keep keep up where they've been big physical zone running football team. Uh, you know I there really aren't anybody that I just think. Uh, you know obviously Alcoa sits where they sit and they've earned that spot uh, as far as uh, who's on top of the mountain right now I guess so to speak but uh. You know, there's kind of a log jam of just competitive football teams right there. Uh, but I think I think any one of those teams, uh, us included, could uh, could seal up and be playoff spot spot holders. 
Keith Shannon told me so many times over the years that these kids at Scott High, they relish the opportunity to go out there and play the uh, the Alcoas, the Fultons, the Austin East oh, of the yeah. world. They don't go out there with the attitude of, oh, gosh, here we go again. we got to play the best team in the state. Right. But instead, they really go out there excited to, to share the spotlight with those teams on that particular Friday night. Yeah, exactly. Talk about your team's mentality when it comes to those games and what their approach is. Or, yeah, and it's, it's just that's a deal where, you know, you want football to be played on the biggest stage you can. And there's so many people watching that game. Uh, so much exposure, and you're playing in front of it. And, uh, and you know, in the situation we're in, uh, you know, obviously I hate saying, you know, you got a nothing-to-lose mentality because you got a game to lose. Uh, but it is a situation where, you know, it's a us versus the world kind of mindset where you can go in and just cut loose. You know what I mean? And that that be the way you deal with your nerves is you just throw it all out there, give it what you got. But the stage, the stage is special. Uh, we're actually going over there uh, this year and, uh, you know, playing on the turf, playing in front of the Jumbotron. Uh, my guys, you know, if – getting up on the Jumbotron, it's a special experience for them. And, uh, you know, it is something that we we all run from it around here. It's, it's, it's a thing that, that we've embraced over time. And, uh, and it is a tough schedule. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's a tough schedule from the, from the standpoint of having so many different mismatches. You know, we're young and we're small in number, but you know, any one of those games are are going to be fourth quarter knockdown drag outs where a few plays here and a few plays there is going to decide the football game with us in Kingston and Northview and, uh, you know, GP Pigeon Forge uh, is another one. They've got a new coach, coach uh, that was there a few years back, had great success. So I'm anxious to see, uh, you know, how, how good they're going to be. Uh, but they're another one that's going to contend and fight. And, uh, you know, there's not as many just juggernaut mismatches. Uh, it's a tough schedule in that you're going toe-to-toe every week. Uh, you know, you don't have any just straight-out cupcakes. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a deal where iron sharpens iron. And and that's what we have. I mean, they used to nickname the what was it, the black and blue division in the NFL back in the day. I think this is a a division where anybody could beat anybody. Obviously, with the respect given towards uh, who's won so many straight champion state championships in a row with Alcoa, uh, with everybody kind of gunning gunning to get at that level. But uh, but yeah, I think that's where we're at right now. All right, so there you go. Scott High coach Josh Terry as his Highlanders get set to open the 2020 season on the road on Friday night. They will be headed to Crossville to take on Cumberland County. Start time will be at 7.30 p.m. That's it for this edition of the Independent Herald Sports Minute. Tomorrow we will hear from Oneida head coach Tony Lambert as his Oneida Indians get set to go on the road on Friday night to Oliver Springs to get their season started. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Ben Garrett for the Independent Herald. Have a great rest of the day, a great week, and get out and support our local team.